Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Going to be starting off with uh, two incredible women who, um, two sisters that have um, gone with their, the experience of being third generation potato farmers and I've been hearing more and more about them. They're called the Spud Sisters and they have been supplying restaurants. Uh, they've been in farmers markets. Uh, if you are lucky enough to have tried some of their varieties, I'm sure you would have been very, very happy. But to uh, to speak with us uh, is going to be a great thing. And we're going to look at uh, some interesting varieties of potatoes, an interesting categorization of potatoes, and to hear about their story, about how they got so invested in this incredible underground tuber that uh, is so versatile and comes in so many shapes and flavours and things. But we will be speaking to them very, very shortly. After that... We will be going uh, to market to have a chat with uh, with John at uh, Market Report. I made sure that we don't speak about potatoes because we have already uh, covered that very, very well. And then we go up to uh, Wappingo, which is a place just near Maroombula in the mid-New South Wales coast where there's a buddy of mine whose name's Shane Buckley. And uh, believe it or not, he grows organic oysters. We have spoken to him about this fact about organic oysters and people raising their eyebrows. Uh, we'll get through that pretty quickly. But what I want to talk to him about is, mm, first of all, the price of oysters, the oysters around at the moment, and maybe how does he eat oysters? And um, and should every good Australian have an oyster shucking knife in their second drawer down? I think they should. Catherine and Kerry, the... Uh, the Spud Sisters, welcome to Three Triple R. And apparently, this is—I've nabbed you. This is your first thing it on is. air. It is. It's very exciting. All of these um, new buttons to look at and microphones to talk into is all a very new thing. It's all a new thing. Well, look. First of all, I've got to say um, thank you so much. Now, I did meet you guys uh, a while ago. I, uh, I bailed one of you up. <laughs> In a shady alley. In a shady alley. Now, which one, which one of that was that? Have you, Big yes. Catherine. Yes. Um, so, uh, Catherine, I saw you, I think it was the uh, the back of Ackland Street in a very, mm. it is, it can be a very shady uh, car park around there. Yes. Uh, near a great restaurant called Chicholina. That's right. And I remember just sort of doing a little bit of deducing, a little bit of deduction. I saw, hmm, that's a good truck, first of all, I saw. And then I saw you and you had boxes of potatoes and you were sort of moving them around and I think you were writing an invoice and I went, you must be a spud sister. <laughs> That's right. And, and I think I just approached you as such, did I not? You did, Cam. <laughs> I think it, um, there was a spud sisters bag uh, yes. there as well, our branded bags, and you might have cited that too. Did, did not. But, no, 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 I did not. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was a very timely encounter. Yes. And uh, very pleased for it because it's led us to here today. Yes, because the word on the street has been big with you guys that um, – uh, that not only have you been making, uh, bringing a more diversified sort of grouping of potato to the farmers' markets, but um, you've also been supplying a lot of restaurants and, goodness me, it really is some of the who's who of uh, Melbourne uh, gastronomy. Mm. We're pretty proud of all of that. You mm-hmm. should be, and I want to speak to you about that, but let's just get this thing out the way. How on earth did it, this all start, this... Uh, <laughs> This, potato pedigree. The potato pedigree. <laughs> uh, this uh, this this chasing of the tuba uh, and the and the cultivation of uh, of great great. Potato roots. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is a potato pedigree. It goes back three generations. Our grandfather, our father, um, my brother and yes. us all included either were growing, picking, um, producing, delivering, selling uh, all the way through the line really. So we've managed to, to uh, soak up all of that um, 
wonderful knowledge, uh, all the little intricacies that kind of led us to, to this. I mean, we get to this wonderful feedback, really. From So what area um, are you in? So Ballarat is the, the district or yes. um, Millbrook. My brother's got some land at Millbrook still. Um, and and you, uh, who was the first potato grower in the family? Was my grandfather. Grandfather. So, yes, so, when, so did he come Jim into Ramage. that area? What's his name? Uh, Jim Ramage was his Jim name. Jim Ramage. And then my dad, Boyd. Jimmy. Boyd Ramage, which is an uh, unusual name, but he's um, he he, he really kind of took it on with gusto. There were two legs of the family. One was for the dairy, and one just eventually became the potato. So there were two brothers, and one went so for dairy. And one one, one decided, I really don't want to get up so early in the morning all the time. <laughs> That's it. Because dairy, oh my god, yes. who would be a dairy? Who would be person? a dairy farmer? Oh, <laughs> morning and night. Morning and night every <laughs> no, day. No, and, no. and you can't have a holiday. No, can't go can't away. Have a, anyway, so the smart one decided I'm going to go into yeah. these these potatoes. And in those days, was around that area, that sort of Dalesford, uh, Ballarat, that sort of triangle, Bungaree. beautiful, beautiful mm. soils, yes, grow yes. root hairs off a matchstick type sort of soils. <laughs> but the problem was, and it appears to me this was, you were, or, you know, the farmers there mm. were pretty much price takers from the large producers, specifically McCain's. Mm-hmm, that's true. That's true. They have a potato that's called an innovator or a Mac one, it's sometimes called. So most of the, the district uh, grows potatoes for, for that industry. For McCain's, for the chip for McCain's, industry yeah, to be do. chipped. Yeah. 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 So we've just been able to um, work with some of our farms that are uh, – Happy to put on in different varieties for us, and we've kind of worked yeah. with them to try. Well, diversities. Yeah, I mean, and smaller crops. You don't have to have massive, massive crops to to actually make to make a living to make it work. Well, it's history's just... shown us that, haven't yeah. they? Specifically mm. with the Irish mm. experiment with the mm. what was it, the lumper potato? Mm, that yeah. was the monoculture that they relied on, and because that failed, mm. well, that's why you have Everything. Officer O'Shaughnessy in New York and, mm. you know, a lot of Irish here. It led to the huge diaspora we have here. Mm-hmm. And we're finding that a lot of our restaurants now are not – well, a good sprinkling of them are now reaching to far different – like from Peru and um, mm. Spanish potatoes and different deeply coloured potatoes. And that's where I think Spud Sisters are having a whole lot of fun trying to track down where to get them from. But, really? Um, and growing – you know, asking farms to put them in for us because they've yes. taken off with gusto. Have um, they? Yeah, yeah. It's really lovely. Because – okay. So And so – Potatoes are in your blood. We, we've established that, right? It's a clumsy analogy, but yep, I thought I'd, I'd take it. Sorry, Carl. He's looking at me going, jeez, Cam, I thought you, you're better than this. Okay, I will. I'll try to get better. Um, but so, but these varieties that you have, when did you decide, look, we can diversify, we can have these excellent, all, all these amazing things, and we can start going to restaurants. How did this eventuate? Mm, nope. Well, Catherine and I yes. um, kind of thought there would be something more in it as – well, actually, my dad first gave me a first load of potatoes um, when my first was born, and he brought them down to Melbourne and said, take these care to the kindergartens. I'm sure these girls will love these spuds. And I said, oh, how ridiculous, Dad. Is going to like these muddy, dirty things? Yeah, well, But I did, and, and they did. And everyone lost their minds, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. how it started. And then my uh, my youngest, who's now thirty two, he he uh, was in the pram, and I'd deliver um, letterbox drops, and people would order them, and then I would drop them off, and then that kind of continued and grew and grew. And then Catherine and I joined together um, when a few restaurants were starting to become interested in what we were doing, and mm. kind of led us to have to try to find someone who had. Had to you watch been working them. as a team before then, Catherine? Um, had you been working as a team with Carol? Not, not really. Mm. Um, I was working in a full-time job in yeah. the city at the time. Yes. And Kerry said to me, "I made see, you an offer you couldn't refuse." <laughs> well, that's it. She said, "I see real potential in this yeah. business." Come on, step away and from the desk. <laughs> exactly. Join me in the paddock. <laughs> that's right. Put on these green gumboots. 
<laughs> it's going to be great. What a proposition she could yeah. refuse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, and at the time I was um, looking for a little bit of a change. Oh, okay, good, um, good. Yes, so I spoke to my boss at the time and um, fortunately he was happy to agree that I would go part-time oh, in that role. Best so of both worlds, that's best good. Best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. So initially I, I um, worked a couple of days with Kerry and uh, three days with the... Um, and my job. How did the plan evolve? So it would have been thinking, okay, maybe we're going to start going boutique get, get a bit boutique on our, our way we it do stuff. It was more the feedback that we were getting from uh. the restaurants that we were taking them to. They were all so keen for fresh produce, yes. so keen for something that um, – And new stuff. Yeah, and that you could, we could ha- explain the story to. You know, this is a flower. I was going to say that it's the narrative, yeah. isn't it? Yes, and and consistency. Sometimes yeah. potatoes yes. come across um, from from interstate, and uh, a lot of a lot of uh, our potatoes that hit the wholesale market come from South Australia. Yes, um, and it's just being able to have that consistency so they don't go through a cool storage process when we they they come through us. So cool storage will keep their starches a little bit more stable. So and. When you know, I'm jumping ahead here because we're kind of talking about um, Catherine, yeah, Catherine and I getting together, but this mm. is a fair few years down the track from there. Um, when we have to try to work out the complexities between starchy and waxy and all oh, and the different potatoes. ramifications of keeping them because yeah, of that starch there content, is. that's exactly right. So, right. potatoes will, will change in their starches when they're older, and so restaurants will find that they'll start to go a little sugary, so they will brown off a bit quicker, and then mm. they will start to taste that little bit sweeter. That also happens when it's you have a cool storage. So when potatoes are too cold, mm. so potatoes really should never be um, put in the refrigerator. There are some waxy ones that can tolerate refrigerators, but uh, starchy potatoes will change in their complexities if you put them in the fridge. So a lot of them are cool stored before they even get to the to the Melbourne market. So mm. you're not actually tasting them. They've as never they had are. a chance. Yeah, <laughs> they poor little guys. That's it. That's it. Well, so so yeah. just the first thing that people can do if they're writing down, they've got a piece of paper and a pen. Mm. Do not put the potatoes in the refrigerator. Mm. First thing, and and also it can zap their flavour. Yeah, yeah. Putting them into a refrigerator, really? so it's best to store them somewhere cool, dark, and dry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Light will make potatoes go green, so it's very important that they're kept nice and dark. Those alkaloids are not good for you. Mm. No. The, um, That's right. The nature nature's sunscreen is the is the dirt on the potatoes. I mean, I know that a lot of people have them washed, but if you can keep them dirty, that's the that's the best way. I, oh, and actually, it. maybe if if I could just just jump in here from just the the sophomore here, of you know, the knowledgeable idiot, <laughs> uh, if I can put myself as that. Can I just say one thing you should never buy, ever, forget it, about it, mm. is the, the washed white potatoes in the supermarket. Mm. Yes. Mm. They're shocking. Yeah. Well, they, they put I mean, they a fall label. over so quickly, don't they? Well, they put a label on the potato mm. that you look at it, they'll the, say on the plastic bag, uh, these potatoes are great for roasting and for baking and for frying. Just because yeah. they are washed and white does not mean that yeah. that's what they're good for. Yeah. So we have to, Catherine and I are on this pilgrimage to try to make people, and, and the feedback comes from our, our farmer's markets you know, pretty and restaurants, but straight away you get that feedback from the farmer's markets as to what's working and what's not working. And that's great because you're at a front line there yeah, and, you, the front and, you, line. and you're able to do that. Now, you've, um, you've got a new criteria because I remember um, going through markets as a kid and a little bit older um, is we have mealy potatoes and we have waxy potatoes. That was mm-hmm. sort of the two ways that you could go. But mm-hmm. you've managed to have a categorisation in, into four, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, mealy potatoes, as you call them, yes. are floury, fluffy, starchy. When they get a little bit older, That sounds nicer than mealy, mealy too. I know, that's a ter- I know yeah. the marketing department really yeah. needs... Needs a zhuzh. So what did you say? <laughs> fluffy. So Fluffy would, sounds nice, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And that makes Better people... Well, people understand that, Kath, don't they, a little yeah. bit more that... Um, I mean, yeah, chefs, it, chefs understand mealy, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you think some people think starch. Oh, starches make you know. A, is that good for you or not? Starch is so good for you. We really need starch in our gut. So that it's when people kind of think of um, starchy potatoes as as floury potatoes, and they are floury, but fluff, floury is fluffy. 
mm-hmm. and, and that's the kind of conversation that we're trying to mm. get people to understand, mm-hmm. you know, more about. Yep. Uh, is that it's really important to understand your potato, your produce, rather than in that, the dish that you are wanting to cook. The intention of the potato, on rather, the variety. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we're trying to. Work it's with, it's yeah. the destination that should uh, make you decide what potato you have. And one of those ones that you started off with, which I went, oh, I've never seen this before, was crispy. Crispy, yeah. Yeah, and what's a, a crispy potato? Crispy. Give us some ideas and what, yeah. what sort of destination is that? He said, giving uh, Dorothy Dick's a question <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> a crispy potato is yeah. a starchy potato. Yeah. So a fluffy or, and a flowery potato. Using those starchy or, or powers or for good. That's right. Yes. So, so um, a very starchy, um, fluffy potato. Such as? Uh, it would be a Maris Piper. Oh, I've never even heard of Or a King Edward. Or a King, King Edward. Edward or yes. an Innovator. Yeah. yeah, or russet. Russet, mm-hmm. the famous chip potato. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, so there That's the McDonald's one, isn't it? Russet yeah, that Burbank. Will, yeah. that was, that was... Well, it went from russet and then to a Mac one because uh, russets sometimes get a little sugary ends at the bottom of them. So Mac, uh, they the, tried to just they didn't like tweak the, them. The, yeah, yeah, tweak the shape. The guys the with shape. the clipboards didn't like those. No, so, that's right. yeah, they anyway. wanted them more blo- blocky and square. Oh, we don't need to speak of all those. So, so we've got crispy. So that's... That's one. And then you had, uh, underneath that, you had all-purpose. Yes. All-purpose means it's a potato that will fit in the middle and do pretty much everything, like yeah. a Sebago or all-rounder. Or, the all-rounder. That's yeah. right, the one that kind of will fit in any kitchen and pretty much get, you know, get the job done, really. Mm. Yes. Um, it's only if you want to get down to Penantics and something that, that you really want a crispy potato or you really want a waxy one. Yes. That's the thing. And varieties of those that you sell? The waxy potato. No, the, oh, the all-purpose all ones. There's Sebago. Mm. Sebago's a great all-rounder. Um, yep. There's a creamy Will Wash, which is a creamy all-rounder. There's an Otway Red, which is also another all-rounder. Is, is Dutch Blue cream an all-rounder? It's a waxy one. That's so a that's waxy. The, third, the third category. Okay, so now we're into yeah, a waxy. So, now so the difference between the three is that a floury potato will absorb the moisture and it will break down if you boil it for too long and too hard. So you need to roast that one, you need to fry that one, you need to keep that one um, more in the oven. Mm-hmm. It will make a lovely fluffy mash, but you have to be gentle and careful with it on the boil because it will break down. Your all-purpose, you'll kind of get around with a little bit more bouncing in the pot and that'll be fine. Your waxy potatoes... Mm. Um, are your creamy potatoes? Yeah, it's a creamy potato, so it's, mm. it doesn't absorb the moisture. So it right. will hold together in its pieces. So it's better for curries, for soups. For well, here's a good example: minestrone oh. soup is oh, a yeah, is a waxy to to potato. Mash. You want it to stay in its pieces. Yeah, right. But whereas if you're making a potato and leek soup, you want it to break to down. Or if you're making uh, like the Italians do sometimes <gasps> with those sauces, where they have a little bit of the potato and it's just gone into the yes. sauce so it becomes a little bit yes. grainy. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and it kind of melts and it thickens. Then that's yes. kind of, it will thicken the, well, you know, yes, some it, of your Irish juice. A potato juice is like a that. thickener type thing. Yeah, yeah. Irish juice are very much good for that, but an Indian curry, you'd want it to stay in its pieces a bit more. Cool. Yeah. We've been talking about um, the different varieties of uh, potatoes and we've come up with, uh, according to uh, uh, Carrie and Catherine, we've got crispy, all-purpose creamy, and now we have the ones... The old school, the 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 ones that I think are the the real the Peruvian pioneers, if we wanted uh-huh. to talk about, or the Andean pioneers, um, the gourmet and fingling. Mm, that's right. The, the the deep, very deep coloured potatoes that are being sought after at the moment are Peruvian golds, Andean sunrise. Mm. Um, and what no, are they I good for? It. They are more flowery. So this is the other thing too. They break people, up, don't they? Yeah. A lot of people think that yellow potatoes are waxy, but they're mm. not. Oh. The, there's a there are a good sprinkling of yellow potatoes that are waxy, but a lot of them also are flowery. So it's not the it's not the the colour. It's we have to kind of drill down on the variety that makes it work. Mm. So those fluffy potatoes that are a lot of Spanish chefs they're looking for and Peruvian chefs are looking for at the moment, they roast beautifully and they yes. and um, good make for them beautiful. Frittatas. Yeah, Beverly's doing a, a beautiful uh, mash at the moment and Stokehouse is doing, uh, it's a restaurant just in the, the city that's just opened it's at the top of the Goldfield House, it's called Beverly Be- and Beverly Stokehouse um, Jason Beverly, Stork. is it worth looking at? Beverly's new yeah, restaurant? Lovely. Yeah, it's lovely beautiful, beautiful views. Mm-hmm. It's in Chapel views. Street. Yeah, it's a Chapel Street. Oh, South Yarra. Oh, okay. Down yeah. South Yarra, yeah. Yes. 
and um, Jason, yeah, yeah, stored at the Stokehouse, he's also doing a lovely um, mash with them. So you have to be really careful with them, but they make, they soak up the butter. They will take the butter and they'll just be magnificent. It's incredible the who's who of um, of restaurateurs that you supply. Like um, mm. it was quite extraordinary. Like Andrew McConnell Group, yeah, you uh, Attica, the Andrew McConnell Group, Movida, so Shuri, yes, all of that. That's right. We, they've they've actually given us a lot of support over the years. We've um, worked pretty closely with them. We'll take a, a bunch of samples around when they're menu changing. Um, pink fur apple at the moment has gone crazy in a lot of the restaurants. And now, that's a figling potato. A figling, What's yeah. that good for? So I've got a rat potato, which is a new French-style potato. Yes. The, the kipfler, yes. uh, which is pretty much known. Kipflers are pretty much Everybody known. knows yeah. about that. And those. these are waxy ones. These are all and waxy ones. And kipflers can be quite dry, can't they, yeah, when you cook them? sometimes they can be well, what you would say mealy. Sometimes, yes. you know, and that's because they've been in the fridge too long. Oh, that's the, get that's those the, things, get your potatoes yeah. out of the fridges, <laughs> people. And I think sometimes, yeah. too, when the potato is a little bit dry, yes. you have to parboil it. Right. So I think that you need to parboil a waxy potato yes. and also the very starchy, floury potatoes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, that seems to me the, um, uh, that was a trick that was taught to me many, many moons ago, that to get really, really good crispy roast potatoes, the first thing you do is you boil them with the skins on, Mm-hmm. And then peel them, mm-hmm. leave them to steam sort of on the tea towel so you yep. see the steam coming off yep. them, mm-hmm. then cut them and then roll them in the in your whatever fat yeah. you have. Uh, if you can, you know, afford goose fat or duck fat, fat. good on you. Yeah. Not yeah. everyday food. Um, <laughs> and then that will make a crispy potato, yeah, depending breaking, on the type that you've got. Yeah, it's a flour, but it's it's breaking down the edges mm. of the potatoes and then shaking them in an, in that duck fat that actually will crisp them up at the edges. That's the the, the main. It's the edges, the surfaces that mm. you can kind of fluff up. Got yes. it. Twelve twenty-four here on three triple R. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. But someone has sent me in a question to you, and I thought I may as well ask. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, listener, who sent this in. Hi, Cam. If you can get this message, can you ask about? The carb-reduced potatoes you can buy at the supermarket. Mm. Anything there, you know about those? Yeah, there is Are they carb- valid? Should we be looking at those? Or There are different potatoes that are carb and also food? low. Yeah, <laughs> and also low sugar potatoes too, which are are kind of your waxy potatoes. So low carbs, um, starchy potatoes, as I was saying, we, we all need starch, but some people that do have a problem with um, their sugars, yes. uh, then there is things that you can do. You can boil a potato and mm. it will um, the, the short chain starches will stay firm and you know boil it first cool it down in the fridge and then cook it and the, the chains are, starch chains are stable all right and you've got your whole family in here you've brought in all these sort of things and i know this is not fair for me to ask but do you, each of you have a favorite potato Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I have to. Well, you know, we have on. a uh, – Catherine's son, Flynn, is um, the potato consu- connoisseur <laughs> at the moment. He, is he? devours them. Yeah. <laughs> That's his favourite, Catherine. He loves – well, he actually likes a Dutch cream mashed. So gotcha. a creamy mash. But personally, I love a, a sabago. Mm-hmm. I love the flavour of sabago and I love that it's an easy potato to work with. It's yep. an all-purpose potato. Gotcha. So it does everything well. I'm mm-hmm. happy with the uh, Andean Sunrise. I just think they're just delicious. Andean Golden sunrise. and yellow and, and crispy and fluffy. And, I love and you have one of the potatoes that was one of my favourites for a long time. And I, my first potato education came from the Paran market, a guy called Michael Mao. Yes, Mickey yes, Mao. Yes, Mickey yes. Mao. Yeah, yeah, and he used to espouse the um, Tasmanian pink eyes. Pink eye, yes. Because yeah. they yeah. tasted a little bit like chestnuts and they were yeah. just delicious. Yeah, the pink eye is a little bit like that. I'll, go, I'll give you some pink eye. They're, they're beautiful too. Beauty. Um, uh, so sorry, where, uh, what, what, um, what's the next farmer's markets you are appearing at? Um, there's... Um, uh, there's Elwood, and there is um, well, actually, because next week it's five weekends in in this month, so next week there's only Mulgrave, but after that, um, mm. Altona, there's Elwood, there's um, Brighton, um, Bond Beach, and the great thing is there is a website, so all you got to do is look up the Spud Sisters and all the things, recipes, yep. and stuff. 
uh, is all there. Try to make um, it easier. Can you guys come back with recipes maybe at some stage? Yeah, yeah, we would we'd love, love that. We'd, we'd love to see you again. They're <laughs> Thank um, you. supplying so many restaurants. Thanks again for coming in. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having us. You missed the sound of uh, John flinging around the <laughs> his uh, his trolley, uh, but uh, we've starting off slow. I hear someone singing in the background. We are at the Queen Victoria Market with three-part harmony, or so I think, in the background. Can you hear that? Yes. Sounds good. Yeah, it sometimes does. a bit annoying. Yes. You know, when you're trying to do some work and you'd love to hear the bustle of the market and you hear their music, and yeah. it's not really what we're used to down the bottom in H-Shed. That's why I miss it so much. Yeah, different sounds and sounds. Uh, what's the date? Have we got a date on completion? Well, they're sprouting three years. If they say three years, it's five years. But we had a little meeting the other day and the engineer gave me some hope. He said they're trying for two years. So if they're true to their word, maybe two years we'll be back down in H-Shed. Just for those that, you know, for me, the ignorant person, what are they actually doing? They're going down how many floors? What what do they actually want to create there, the, the... You're going to be away for two years. Okay. What do you come back to? First of all, they're renovating the uh, shed, H&I shed. Yes. They've uh, pulled the roof off. Yes. They're putting a um, double layer of steel instead of one with uh, insulation in the middle. Right. And they're fixing all the beams. Some of those woods, we had a, a fair idea that the trees that are in the wood would have been born 300, 350 years ago. Wow. Um because the sheds have been here about 100 or so years uh, down in H-Shed mm. and uh, they, they were repurposed from another building, so they were probably 150-year-old uh, now. And uh, really? then the trees were old like that before, so that's how we get to wow. 300 or so years um, yep. that the trees were born. So once they've finished renovating the roof, they'll be parking their trucks and have amenities in there for a yep. little while. Yeah. Because the old loading bay there, they're going to pull it down. They're going four floors down and two floors above. Yes. They're going to have storage, refrigeration, and so on. So and that's the other side of the alley that you were on, yeah? That's, that's correct, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the two floors above will be amenities and um, rooms and so on that everyone can use, not just the traders. So, mm. yes, yeah, so that's what's happening. Um, because what's happening down those four stories underneath? Is that well, they'll have refrigeration and they'll have storage. Um, and the reason that it's going to take so long is, I'm sure, is that the council has to fund it by themselves, whereas with the skyscrapers, they had building partners that put money in and yeah, they right. built it in two, two and, a, two and a half years at the most. Oh, I see. So it went boom in a yeah. big building. Yeah. We'll so, get there. So when you come back, you'll still have... Um, an outdoor stall that will be the same as it kind of was? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm hoping exactly in exactly the same position. Yep. Um, because we'd like to keep the number seven where my father started in 1946 when he was 19. Yeah, well, it's a legacy project, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And we'd, we'd like to keep going, so mm. that's, that's what's going to happen. All right, so it's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen, as uh, a famous actress once said about her hair. I don't know how we bring that to food, but we did, and because that's what I do. Um, all right, we've got show and tell. Um, I'm in the um, the kitchen office of uh, Tomato City, which is a wire cage uh, that has a box, and this is an innovation now, John. You've got this thing. You put the box so it, it, it's sheltered from the rain. I'm liking this. Sheltered from the sun and the rain. Uh, you know, the, the cafeteria, the coffee maker is... Um, uh, modern electric style. It's got an acrylic yeah. top, so yeah. we'd like to keep the sun and the rain off it. Oh, very, very lovely. A little modern amenity. <laughs> um, I'm loving that. Well, you know, you adapt to the situation we that do. you're in. We do, we do, we do. All right, let's do some show and tell. We are in the middle of winter. It is completely midwinter, and it, it really feels like it today. If you if you stop moving, we were saying to each other, it, it feels a bit cold because at the moment it's about... Oh, it's gone up to nine degrees. That's great. Balmy. Yeah. What I have we got? St- I started without a jacket, but now I've got one on. Mm. Um, now, look, you're feeling cold, yes, but if you stand in front of the stall, you wouldn't know if it was winter or summer. Yeah. You know? No. You've got, you've, no, you've got look these at these. beautiful zucchini 
the, only the length of Cameron's hands. So there are what about ten centimeters long. So the, what we're talking about is the zucchini that still has the zucchini flavor before it's turned into uh, a flavorless, water-filled bucket of vegetable called a marrow. These Definitely. look gorgeous, and it's, I can't believe that I'm holding these and showing them to you in the middle of winter. Where are they from? These um, came out of Queensland, I believe. Have to, yeah. uh, And they're not very expensive. We're selling, I think... Six. Five, six, six. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bargain. There, there are a lot bigger, bigger ones that you can do different things. You can buy $3 around a market. Like mm. if you're just going to make a soup or... Um, chop them up and, and do different things with them, that's fine. Yep. But when you want to bring out the flavour, you steam these very lightly and you get naughty and you get a little bit of mozzarella or some other soft cheese and melt them on top and serve them beside a beautiful steak. Uh, a little bit of pepper on top. That's it, you know. It's simple. Yeah, okay. Or, I, can, I can go a little bit more full on if you want. You can make a blue cheesy sort of dip to go with these things fried. Decadent. Oh, yeah. Decadent. Not everyday food, mate. Yeah, Not but you've got to live. you yeah. got to live. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. All right, so zucchinis, um, come to John and see them because they exist and they're extraordinary and they'll taste like a zucchini. Um, the other day, I got John to bring these out, these um, uptown en branche tomatoes, and it is incredible how much a, a simple little piece of just a, 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 a stick with a few of these tomatoes that you throw into a really hot oven with a bit of salt, how much they can lift a plate and make a pretty ordinary meal kind of really special. Oh, definitely, because not only do you get the flavour and the juice and the texture, but they look beautiful. Um, I I had a a family um, tourist from um, Indonesia. They came two or three weeks ago, like I said, um, and... I, I, uh, their children were pushing each other around and said, give the kids try these. So they tried them and mm. they bought half a kilo. Two days later, they came back and bought a kilo. Really? They're buying a kilo every three or four days. Oh, you know? good. They're just so appealing. The flavour is intense. But when you cook them, like you said, again, you come to a different dimension. Yeah. Um, I took a heap of old ones that had been sitting in a box for a couple of weeks, all the ones that fall off, to my mum. Um, and she put them in a pot and blitzed them, and we're going to have the best pasta. She's going to make me some handmade pasta. Ooh, really? What size noodle? She she makes cavatelli, which is cavatelli. Really? Yeah, a a little pasta. It's about three to four centimeters long. Um, It's a a little uh, strip, and it's dug in with three fingers. Three fingers. Yeah. Two hands. Yeah. And it, it curls. Yep. You can buy them dried, but they're not the same. But when you can't make your own, it's good enough. But if you make them fresh and the sauce gets into the grooves and a beautiful cheese on top, can't ask for better than that. And they cook very quick too. As soon as you throw them in a pot, they come to the boil, they rise they're to the top, they're floated up and they're done. Yeah, yeah. Cavatelli, folks. Look it up. And uh, not just another cooking show. The uh, one that Matt and I talk about, there's a really great dish. You know that... Uh, uh, pork and fennel sausage, yes. broccoli. We, he does it with fresh cavatelli, yeah, and he says yeah. it's one of his favourite pastas. Wow, that sounds great. All right, we've got garlic here at the moment. Um, you've got a t- couple different types of garlic. You've got a very small, pinky sort of garlic, very closed head, and then there's another one that's uh, magenta-striped. Um, yeah, I well, don't know. It's uh, a bit bigger, uh, a little bit drier sort of looking. What are you recommending garlic-wise at the moment? Well, to, to people's dismay, I've been recommending the beautiful soft garlic. This is freshly picked, um, cleaned, packed mm. and shipped over mm. very quick. It comes from China, people grimace. But I've been told that it's purer than most of the rubbish they send us. It's a different grade. It looks, um, it's, it, there's more moisture in it. It's, it it's very pearly. When you open it up, pearly. It's That's pearly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and when you eat it, it's very, very sweet. Yeah. Um, the other stuff comes from Patagonia, South America, which is governed by Chile and That's another the country. Stripey stuff. That's the stripey stuff. That's mm. not bad either. It's not as astringent or hot like other garlics in a market. Mm. Um, I eat both, so I'm happy to recommend it. But a lot of people shy away from Chinese. But mm. you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And when we haven't got Australian, you go second best. And I reckon um, that this fresh Chinese stuff is as good as. It is fresh. Yeah, yep. same variety, I'd say. How much? 
Uh, we're selling a South American two for five, and this Chinese stuff, it's a lot smaller. We're selling four for five. Four for it's five. Good value. You don't need that much. No. That, that stuff you buy in a bag, you can cook the whole bag and still wonder where the garlic is. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, I've pulled out um, two things. One is, the, it's just a little bit early, but um, they're here, and I rejoice the fact that you've got lots and, and, and lots of these beautiful artichokes. Yeah, this is uh, not a Spinoza, but it has the same colour. Yeah. Sometimes, depending on the weather, they have more prickles on them. Yeah. But it's a very soft, sweet, nutty flavour. Yeah, right. Um, very thick stem. There's yeah. a lot of meat in the stem as well. Tightly packed. Yeah, yeah. The colour is spectacular, and it stays that colour, uh, the magenta colour when you cook them. Mm. Um, they're very, very sweet, not hard to deal with. You just cut the top off, take off one or two layers, and that's it. Then you cut it in half or quarter and steam it or bake it or open it up and stuff it and steam it. Yep. Um, you know, the possibilities are endless. You can even parboil them and tempura them and, you know, fry oh, them up. Oh, that's good. That, that's good stuff, mate. Yeah. Um, or, or one of the... I just remember a luxury dish, linguine with um, artichoke hearts and, um, yeah. and breadcrumbs yeah. and garlic and chilli. I've got to take some home and I, I want to try doing a risotto because... We're not really the type to do risottos. Franco does pilaf, which is done in the oven, uh-huh. similar. But when yeah, you no, when you make a no proper stirring. risotto and, yeah. and you put either artichoke or um, the radicchio in it, uh, it's spectacular. You know the flavours are coming. When are you out. doing that? Well, I don't know. I've got to find some time because we've been on the run. We just made sausage last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, white wine for deglazing, of course, not red. Oh, but then you got the radicchio. You could get away with using red, couldn't you? Yeah, like we always say, there's no rules, so experiment, mate. Yeah, but we could do it. Um, And we've got a bullhorn pepper, and then we'll move to pick of the market. This is an ugly one. Normally, they're beautiful and straight, um, bright red. This one's got a little bit of an orangey red colour. It's uh, not straight. It's got a few ugly skin marks because of the weather. Yeah, a bit of wind damage. But still beautiful to throw on the fire or the gorilla and peel them and I take a, it home yeah take, I'd eat it take a uh, make make a bit of a capsicum salad and and then put it in a bread roll like um, Romeo's wife brought me a, a sausage and capsicum roll this morning for breakfast actually she brought it for my son but since I'm here she had to make one for me too. Uh, you, and you know how it goes well. when you've got kids <laughs> okay. oh that sounds good <laughs> sounds good um, yeah and, and a lot of people still munching into them raw because they're just so thick flesh, full of sugar, yeah. full of juice. And full of vitamin C, more oh, than an orange. Definitely. More than an orange. All right, let's get this thing uh, on the road. Uh, pick of the market. Pick of the market. Still tomatoes, they've been exceptional. I counted um, 10 different varieties the other day. Sometimes we've got up to 20. Uh, you can make a salad, soups, whatever. Um, we had green beans from Queensland. They've run away. We had them $11. You can buy a lot cheaper. I think I think he's got $5 for machine picked across the road. If you're going to eat them today, that's fine. Uh, if you want something with a bit of substance, you, you pay a little bit more. Uh, also, green peas. Uh, they're not as big as I like, but we've had some at least because they've been hard to get this year. Uh, little balls of sugar. Uh, we've got beautiful baby Cavalonera. Um, I took all the really, really side shoots, baby ones, home, and Franca made a um, um, pie with it. She put cheese and egg and breadcrumbs and put it in the, yeah. the pastry, put it in the oven. Yeah. Uh, what sort of pastry? Uh, just a puff pastry. Yeah, she okay. cheated. Okay. Uh, that was my entree, and then we went on. Um, wow. What else? Capsicums, eggplant. Eggplant is spectacular at the moment. We've got small ones that you can stuff. We've got big ones that you can chop up and barbecue or fry, make yeah. baba ganoush, whatever you want to do with them. Uh, again, come and have a look. Everything's there. All the fruit's there. All the vegetables are there. Walk around. Pick your menu walking around rather than have a set menu and have a feast. Come, come to the market, the quality's up and the prices are not as bad as they would be under the fluorescent lights and yeah, you definitely. get to see smiling people like John. Definitely, and a lot of this stuff, don't forget, at the most it was picked two days ago. Yeah, nice. There we go. John, I'm heading off. Oh, one thing, we're going up to uh, the coast around Marimbula. We're going to be talking oysters. Do you like oysters? 
Unfortunately not. The only thing that I don't eat dead or alive is oysters and mussels. For some reason, from when I was young, they didn't do it for me. Uh, I'll eat any crustaceans. I'll eat the sea snails, Mm. even sea cucumber when I went to a wedding, which is they're they're hard to eat for me. Um, But no, they don't do it for me. My my mum and dad, they get into them, or did anyway. Um, If it does it for you... Um, I've eaten them Kilpatrick, but if you're going to do that, you may as well not eat them because you're not getting the flavour of an oyster. That's what a lot of people say. But anyway, we'll find out what Shane likes to do with his oysters once we go back to the studio. And I'll save those oysters on my plate for myself too. John, thank you as always. Have a lovely day. Maybe you might even get an oyster pancake. Could be good. Uh, On this cold, wet Sunday that we have... Here it is midwinter, and uh, but someone told me that midwinter is maybe a, possibly a good time to be eating oysters. Oh, that's right, we've got an oyster grow on the line. His name's Shane Buckley, and he's here. G'day, Shane. Cameron, how are you, mate? Mate, I miss you. How you been? Long time no yeah. see. I know it has been too long, hasn't it? Well, it's been um, too many footy seasons, I think. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, you've been um, keeping strong, and um, you've been. Oh, prevailing over restaurant closures and climactic events to grow your beautiful organic oysters at Wappingo. Yeah, we've um, we've actually had a great season this year. Have you? It's, um, been, yeah, it's been a welcome change. You know, we've obviously had our trials and tribulations since the bushfires in in um, nineteen twenty, but um, yeah, look, everything's Strong and everyone's happy again. So, oh, good. Um, good, good, good. The um, the trade's been quite good. It's been excellent. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. The uh, the one thing, as an oyster farmer, you must be. Pre- are, you, are you pretty happy with the prices that you you're getting in in restaurants? Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd I'd like to personally be getting the prices that you get in restaurants for them, but um, oh, it okay. doesn't come that far down the line. Yeah. Um. No. Look, we've. The with the advent of of people wanting to know and understanding about where their food comes from and how it's grown, there's been huge interest in um, you know aquaculture and specifically oysters. So it's it's been a, a good little journey. When I first started, you know, the price that we got wholesale for oysters was you know really pretty poor, mm. anywhere down to like 20 cents an oyster we were getting. Wow. And, okay. yeah. That's a bit, that's but, a bit low. Even, yeah, even I'll last, say that. <laughs> in the last 15 to 20 years, you know, things have started to look up because, I mean, the, the product's four years old, so we're, we're looking after those little oysters for upwards of four years to get them marketable, and okay, um, yeah. so the, the fair bit goes into that. So, so four, four years before a, a spat becomes um, sitting on um, on a on a bed of crushed ice somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah wow. Mate, the Sydney okay. rocks there, especially where we are down on the south coast. Water's cooler, yes. so they take a bit longer. So we get an extra season to actually get them out. Yeah. Um, to market. So there's a fair bit of handling goes into that and a lot of infrastructure that we have to house them in. So mm. fortunately, with the more modern techniques, you know, we can house a few more and um, uh, get that little bit extra money for them so that we can continue to grow. And what do you reckon for uh, those that might be a little bit despairing about how much a singular oyster costs now because as we were talking before you don't buy them by the half dozen or the dozen those days are gone um but for me immortals what's um how would you say what's the best way to to go and buy oysters if you want to you know eat a mess of them well look you know for for everyone at home they should have an oyster knife in their cutlery drawer and agreed you just go down to your local fishmonger or the market Mm. and pick up some oysters live in the shell. doesn't matter what species, doesn't matter where they're from, mm. but if you shuck them yourself at home, you're always going to have a, a fresher, better experience with oysters, that's for sure. Well, you'll never get a bad one in your mouth um, because nah, I, I remember some, there's, uh, there's that thing about someone asking, how do you know if you get a bad oyster? And the 
easy answer is you'll know. <laughs> with with every fibre of your being, you know you have a bad oyster in your mouth. Do you uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just everything There's says. No way you can. I don't know. People say they get sick from eating oysters. I don't no, know how. No, mate. No, but no. anyway. So, um, all right. So, um, get um, talk to your fishmonger. Um, go and buy an oyster knife. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that uh, he. It, the, personally, for me, and I don't open oysters nearly as well as you do. As you showed me uh, one uh, late. Night one night long time ago where we were talking about uh, too much palm mate too much palm um, but a, the skinnier stiletto style is the favourable rather than the the big triangular shark's tooth one would you agree with that? Um, it's horses for courses. Okay. Um, but yeah, look, a, a good a good sharp fine point. Yep. Will always get you into the hinge, yeah. Yeah, because it's all about leverage, really. This is what you're dealing with with the the poor old mollusk that doesn't want to give up itself. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, and um, but if you can buy the uh, the unopened oysters, they do keep for quite a while. Um, so that's kind of good. It will be cheaper than going to a restaurant. And and what about accompanying an oyster? What what are the your favourite things that go with oysters? Oh, just a little drop of Tabasco is lovely. Yeah. Or a lemon. Yep. Um, don't need to do too much more. I like a shallot vinaigrette myself. I get a shallot brunoise as best you can, like cut in little little squares, and then just a little bit of vinegar with that is is pretty delish too. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I um we 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 often like putting them over coals as well. And um, letting them caramelise over the over the smoke, they're beautiful. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice too. And then, of course, there's a great Chinese thing, and I reckon this uh, works better for Pacifics rather than Sydney Rocks, where you steam them with a little bit. Of, let's see if I can remember this right. You want uh, sesame oil, black bean, bit of chili, and maybe a little bit of soy sauce. But yeah, keep it simple yeah. like that. And that's pretty easy. I mean, you just all you got to do is get them, uh, open them up, put a little bit of this mixture onto them, and then put them in a bamboo steamer and steam them for I don't know three, four, five minutes. Not too long. Yeah, it doesn't take much to cook an oyster, does it? No, 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 no. <clears throat> and and yeah, um, that sounds pretty yummy, mate. Yeah, well, and try. we had um, we had these two sensational um, humans in, two women, uh, the Spud sisters. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they're amazing in the fact that they have all these different varieties of um, potatoes that they're supplying a lot of Melbourne's uh, great restaurants and, mm-hmm. and and a bit, I think, in New South Wales as well. Yeah, um, right. But I seem to recall a time, you know, in uh, olden days when uh, potatoes were a lot uh, cheaper um, <laughs> That uh, that uh, you used to have cream of oyster soup, oh, and yeah. and that is just a ripper if you can get that happening. Have you ever done that? No, we we, we used to make a cup. We had a, when we had our bar in Bermagui, we um, we used to make a couple of soups with them, um, but we were more along the Greek fisherman stew style of soups we were making with our oysters then. Oh. Uh, which was Oh, that'd be nice. What, like a bit of fennel and lemon and things like that? Yeah, and fresh thyme and tomatoes. Beautiful. Oh, yum. Well, mm. I, I seem to remember that, um, you know, there was a time in Melbourne when um, uh, oysters were very much the, the meat of the poor, I suppose, because we had Absolutely. huge, huge things of oysters all around um, the bay here. And they had all sorts of different ways to to use them up that we probably wouldn't see today. Well, look, I think the the days of those, although they were halcyon days, I guess you'd call them, of the of the oyster bars and in Melbourne, the, the, the from what I understand, there yeah. were a number of streets that were were um, almost dedicated paved. to oysters and <laughs> yeah. champagne. Yeah, well, Little Lonsdale Street was pretty notorious. Um, back in the day, and if you see, um, there's pictures, or there were pictures at the Esplanade Hotel in St Kilda, and you could see all these pictures of um, 
uh, oysters and champagne together, and uh, yeah, it would have been a, quite a time, I reckon. It would have been a hoot. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> are there are there any other ways that um, uh, that you like doing your oysters? We've talked about putting them on a coal. Um, yeah. You talked about uh, just keep um, it, it it simple. I think the finger lime, the discovery of the finger lime, um, was a, was a great thing for the oyster. Oh, absolutely. Finger limes are beautiful. We've got a number of people around this area growing them, and um, um, they're just such a good a good thing to have because you can freeze them, pop them in the freezer, and yep. and then uh, pull them out whenever you want to use them as a dressing on the oyster. They're great to have. Um, nice little pops, like a bit like the caviar popping in your mouth. Oh, you yeah. Cit- mm. Citrus pops. Um, all right, so Wappingo oysters, um, you can get them at uh, a few restaurants in Melbourne. Um, are they available in any markets or anything around where we shop? No, no, they're not, unfortunately. Um, we don't have any direct-to-public distribution in Melbourne. What at restaurants? This point in time. Yeah, what restaurants um, are you supplying to? Uh, all of the Movitas, um, Michael Bacash, and um, and Yada, and oh, where else have we got down there? P- um, Pearl's Oyster Bar in um, Burke Street. Yes. And we've got uh, Hazel Restaurant. It's another good one. They go through some good volumes of oysters there. All right, so uh, we can find them. What about McConnell? You see, you supplying to him? I used to. Yeah, I used to yeah. Su- supply Andrew, but um, he's more affiliated with uh, a bit more of a corporate oyster uh, distribution oh, okay. mob nowadays. So, gotten yeah. too big. Well, the uh, great advice, um, and maybe we can move towards that, that uh, we have an oyster knife in every drawer. Um, yes. I've got my, I've got my fabby little Sabache one, which I love, which I haven't been able to use much, but uh, I think you've inspired me to go down to South Melbourne Market or somewhere and get a, uh, a few dozen that are unopened. Shane, keep, be the keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Thank you, mate. Good to have a chat. Uh, can't wait to see you. Hopefully you'll uh, be yeah. be up around there. And if you're down uh, my way, give me a ring. No worries. I will. And all the best to your listeners. Thank you. Shane Buckley, okay. whop and go. Get an oyster knife in your second drawer. I reckon that's uh, uh, great advice. Peter in Oak Park says, I'm in desperate. Where can I buy pearl onions for my coco vin? Pearl onions for your coco vin? <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> at the Queen Victoria Market, I would imagine. I think that's a good point. Yes. And then another uh, listener says, potatoes in store are rarely labelled with their varietal name. I've asked at grocery stores which type of potatoes are these, and they typically don't know. Well, there you go. That's why you should be uh, buying from farmers' markets and people who are invested in, uh, in all that sort of stuff. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.